two cards, clever. And uh, <laughs> the uh, one with your name and address, etc. I hope you'll fill that out and hand it to me up the back um, at the end of the service so that you'll say by doing that that you want to hear more from me and from Jews for Jesus. I appreciate that. The other half of the card, some of them are just uh, the names. Some have all kinds of data on it. If you are watching on live stream at home or in jail or wherever you happen to be, then I hope that you'll just Google Jews, Jesus, and Australia, and you'll find us and be able to sign up there as well. Some of you have been receiving, thank you, sister. Some of you have been receiving our Jews for Jesus news since I was here in 2006. I looked it up. I did not remember. So that's pretty cool. And others have been signing up over the time. So thank you for that. Thanks, Elizabeth, for the welcome. And all of you for the, the care and welcome. Ted, thanks for the chat on the phone as well. And especially to the AV guys back there who do a great job. Great job. I surprised them with a stick this morning and said, flexible, they show that. And they went, fine, no problem. (laughs) Blessed are the flexible, they don't break. All right, Matthew chapter 1, let's go back there. And I, I don't know what you do with genealogies. Do you skip them? Come on. Yeah, of course you do. I don't know. Who's Elihud and Shealtiel? They're great stories if you look them up. If you take some time, they're really good. Matthew does something with this text that's really unusual. It's Mother's Day. I love talking about this chapter on Mother's Day because there are five mothers in this text. Now you say, well, okay, fine. Genealogy should have mothers because it takes two to tango. So I I get that, but you don't get that because in Judaism, women are never listed in genealogies. God bless them. We all needed one, but they're not ever listed. Abraham beget Isaac. Thanks, Sarah. Isaac beget Jacob. Where's Rebecca? You with me? Their women are not listed. Matthew, what the heck? is including five ladies in the genealogy of Yeshua. Why did he do that? We'll talk about that later, but first let's find out who those five ladies are. One by one by one. Verse number three. Judas, the father of Perez and Zerah, they're twins, by Tamar. Okay, Tamar sounds like a nice name. Anybody named Tamar in the church today? It's a very common name in Israel. Tamar means erect, like a palm tree. It's a beautiful name. Genesis 38, you're going to read later, not now, because you get distracted, but it's an amazing story. Of Judah, that's number four son of the 12 sons and really 13 children of Jacob, Judah's got three boys. The first one doesn't exactly do great, and he dies 
And you know the Leverett marriage rule. If you die, your brother's supposed to take over and marry your your girlfriend or wife or whatever she is at that point and raise up children unto your brother. There, that's kind of neat. So his second, his, his brother, the second son of Judah, named Onan, doesn't exactly do well. His first son was named Ur. What should we name him, honey? Er, okay, that'll do. Onan. Onan, according to the text, spills his seed and doesn't raise up a child for his brother. The word Onan in modern Hebrew means masturbate. The Bible's pretty raw. It just says it. So then the third son is much younger. And the daughter-in-law, Tamar, isn't exactly sure that she's about to wait around, wait around, wait around for boy number three because boy number one and boy number two both died. And, you know, she couldn't just go get a job, get a new apartment. That's not how it worked in those days. She had to be taken care of by husband number whichever. So she comes up with a clever plan, and it's a really raucous method of securing help. She dresses as a temple prostitute and hangs out on the wall, if you will, of that day. And she encounters her father-in-law, who doesn't recognize her. And he, as the Bible always does, he goes in unto her, and boom, she's pregnant. That's just how it worked in those days. She's found to be with child, but she secures some benefit from this guy who doesn't know whom she, who she is and gets the ring and gets a staff and gets some basically promissory notes. And she comes back. Yeah, you'll read this later and say, wow, I never read that in the Bible before. You think Game of Thrones is bad. So she's found to be more righteous than her father-in-law. But this whole business of the children, which is really her children, really Judah's children and grandchildren at the same time, awkward, are these two, Perez and Zerah. I wouldn't, I don't know about you, I've got a black pen. Do you? Do you ever, I know you, some of you like to write in your Bible, some of you like to underline. I'd use a texter and, you know, get that out of there. If that's in my genealogy, I'm not exactly proud of it. You know what I mean? Ooh, that wasn't a good episode in our family history. There it is. First one mentioned. Verse 5, Salmon was the father of Boaz by Rahab, Rahab. Rahab, you know, you know her. She's a woman of faith. She's in Hebrews 11. She's a good lady. What's her story? Joshua, chapter 1, 2. She's the one who protected the spies, so she's a woman of faith. What's her usual job description? All right, prostitute. Yeah, let's get that marker out. 
let's leave her out of there, you know, because, you know, I mean, she's good. No, maybe we could just lose the Rahab, the harlot. We could get. It's fairly stark right there. She worked in King's Cross of Jericho. Now, some want to soften it and say, well, she was uh, an innkeeper. Don't try to make it into what it's not. It's pretty clear. Yes, she ran an inn, which we would call a brothel, which is legal in Sydney, but not exactly kosher. You know what I mean? And yet, Boaz came from Rahab. By the way, if you get confused, there aren't exactly 14 generations. We read that in verses 17. In verse 17, 14 from here to here, 14 from here to here, and 14 there. The first is from the from Abraham. That's 2000 BC to David. That's 1000 years. From David to the deportation, deportation 586 B.C., so about 400 years. And then from the deportation to the Messiah, that's another 600 years. So it's not even, it's not exactly 14. He does it because he's, some of you have watched The Chosen, and you know that Matthew looks like, according to those boys who made that TV series, looked like he's on the spectrum. But... um, he was mathematically oriented. I'm okay with that. He certainly was. I was a high school mathematics teacher. I'd make it work. 1,000 years, 400 years, 600 years. Yeah, that's about 14, 14, 14. In Judaism, I am the father of my grandsons. And it's linear. It doesn't have to be I'm the father of or I could be the grandfather of. And that's where some people get all messed up with genealogies. Don't don't stress about that. <clears throat> yeah, and look down at uh, uh, verse number 12. A little bonus I don't give most people, but there you go, verse 12. Shealtiel's the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, of course, from the prophet Zechariah, chapter 4, in the lampstands. Uh, Zerubbabel is the first governor of the returnees of the de- after the deportation, 516 or so BCE. And his father was called Padiah at the beginning of Zechariah, and he's called Shealtiel here. That's not the same guy. It's probably another lover at marriage raised up in the name of his brother. See? See? Bonus. Aren't you glad you came? That was a yes or no. Okay, no, fine. Yeah, I'm not sure I would have written her in there, Rahab. I think Salmon was the father of Boaz. See, that would have been enough. Just leave her out. And then later on, the book of Hebrews, they could write it in and say she was a good woman. That's fine. Matthew's got a reason, a really strong reason. We'll get to it. Continue that verse. Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth. What do you know about Ruth? Except that, you know, she harvested. What do you know about Ruth? This is the month of May. It is the time when we almost always celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. And on the Feast of Pentecost, in Hebrew, Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks, we always read the book of Ruth because it is a harvest festival 
and she was harvesting, and it's a beautiful story, and some of you know about Kinsman and Kinsman Redeemer, and you like that part of the story. That's good. Ruth, where is she from? Moab, thank you. Moab. Yeah, she's a Moabite. This Moabitess. Which sounds like a, a gentle place. I don't know. She seemed a nice lady. Moab. Moab. East of the Jordan River. Not the good guys in the story. Most of the time in the Bible, not good guys. Moab. Rewind back to who he is and you'll find out he's the the half-brother of a guy named Amon, which is not related to Amen. Amon and Moab are half-brothers because they are sons of Lot's daughters with Lot. Lot's daughters got Lot drunk, had sex with their dad, and like in the Bible, it always happens. He came unto her, and then she was pregnant. That's how it works. And so there they are, two kids, Ammon and Moab, who are cursed. And they're cursed because they didn't welcome the Jewish people. They were, you know, it's almost always the closest to us that we try to elbow away from us and say they're not us. And that's what Ammon, Moab, Edom did later, that's Esau, um, did with the rest of the godly line, the city of God, that people, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you get it. So Ammon and Moab, not exactly our team. Ruth is a Moabitess. And according to the Torah, no Moabite should ever stand in the temple of God. Father of Obed by Ruth. See, I think I'd leave that out. Wouldn't you? Are you an editor? Yeah, just get get your red pen. Just cross that out. Or texter or scissors if you're a kid. Whatever you want to do. Boaz is the father of Obed. Obed the father of Jesse. See, that works. That's got a rhythm. That's good. Leave out the Ruth thing. The Moabite thing. The whole history of that weird stuff with Lot and his children who are both his children and grandchildren. Literally. Yeah, get that out. We don't, we don't need it. It almost sounds like a TV, you know, weird story of power brokers and stuff that Channel 10 sells. Okay, so we got three out of the way. We've got two more to go. Look at the after uh, when King David does this thing. I mean, David's pretty much a hero. David's pretty huge in Judaism. He's the king after God's own heart. He's the man. He's great. David means beloved. And maybe some of you are named David. More of you would be named David than Tamar, I'm, I'm guessing. Verse 6, Jesse's the father of David, the king. Yes, he's the good one. You know, David, yeah, I like him. You like David? You like his story? You like his psalms? You like his military stuff? Goliath? Take down that Philistine. Uh, David was the father of Solomon. Okay, leave it there. Oops, he writes more. By Bathsheba, who had been the wife of Uriah. Oh, no, leave out that story. Come on, David's the good. David's, compare Saul, bad. 
Solomon, yeah, 700 of these, 300 of those. Come on, David, he's, he's good. No, no, what does he do? David, her who had been the wife of Uriah. Come on, man. Leave her out of the picture. I mean, it's incidental. You know the story, most of you. Some of you don't. God bless you. And maybe you at home don't know. David is up on the rooftop at his palace. There's no temple yet. His son builds the first temple. He's on top of his roof. He's in Potts Point or Vaucluse, wherever he is. He's looking. And next door, next door to the king's palace should be the Department of Treasury, should be, you know, some government agency, should be. But no, it's a house owned by Uriah. The Hittite, you might remember they're one of the seven nations that are the no-goodniks in the land of Israel that we had to bump out of there. The Hittites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. It's, you remember the ones you skip over when you read those as well. So David's looking out his window. Uh, no, he's on the roof. <sighs> Beautiful sunny day. Love it. It's like this weekend has been so far. It's just great. He looks down. He sees some chick sunbaking. And he keeps looking. And he says, I could have that. I'm the king. And he sends an invitation, which is really a subpoena, to bring her over and have lunch. And, of course, you know what happens. They, he comes in unto her, and then she falls pregnant, because that's the way it works. And how he hears about the medical report and the, what do they call that when you see the, the sonogram? Yeah, when he got the sonogram report. Um, and so he says, Oi, Gavalt, am I in trouble? I, I'm in trouble. Not only that he hung out with a shiksa, you know, a non-Jewish girl. Because what the heck is she? Uh, she's married to a Hittite. How does a Hittite still live in Jerusalem? That's some backstory here that we've got to deal with one day, not today. Enough backstory, right? So, so the Hittite and this chick are together. They're married. He, you'll find out later as you read this story, in Samuel you'll read that Uriah is a noble and righteous dude. He's great. The king says, "Come on back, get out of the field. Come, you know, come back, have." You know, relations, because I know what happens. No, no, can't do that. The men are out in the field. I'm going to stay with the men in the field. He is so righteous, and King David is so in trouble. Well, you know what happens. He says, well, that's not going to work out. Okay, so I'm going to send him to the front of the field, which means I'm going to kill him. Now, if I read the Big Ten appropriately, you'll know that murder and adultery are two of the Big Ten. And you, yeah, he'd say, <laughs> leave that out, Matthew. Can't you just leave that out this time? Maybe just whisper it, but don't write it in the Bible, St. Matthew. That's a bad story for our noble, great King David. You think that's bad. 
Verse 18, now the birth of Jesus was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Woman number five, Mary. Miriam, we call her. Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba, and now Mary. Found to be with child. You know how that works. We've talked about it. They came together. Before they came together. Yeah, sure. Come on. Come on. I'm I'm a 21st century. I'm a first century Jew, Matthew. That doesn't happen. No, 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 it did. Well, I, I know you say that, but there's scandal associated with this. Can you imagine being in Mary's small group? Yeah, I didn't, uh, nothing happened. I didn't. Uh... The rabbis say that Mary was raped by a Roman soldier. What do you say? Before they came together? Happy Mother's Day. Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel rocked up and messed up everything. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, meaning don't forget your history. You're in this godly line. You're in this Davidic, Messianic hope. You're in this royal line. You're also a member of a family that had some problems about a thousand years ago. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. King David wrote more about the Spirit than anybody else in the Older Testament. It makes sense that he would appeal to that. But this is scandal. Scandal one, Tamar. Scandal two, you with me? You could list them. Rahab. Scandal three, Ruth. Ugh, Moabite. Scandal four, Bathsheba. Not her problem. I'm not saying, I'm not blaming the women. I'm just saying there's scandal associated with each. And scandal five, (laughs) nobody touched me. Yeah, Mary. Why would Matthew write this? For this, you have to look with me at Matthew chapter 21. The two sons. The parable of the two sons. You've used this with your children any number of times. They've used it on you any number of times. Matthew chapter 21, verse 28, we read this. What do you think? This is Yeshua talking. What do you think? A man had two sons. And he came to the first and said, son, go work today in the vineyard. And he said, I will not. But afterward, he regretted it and went. I like that boy, don't, don't you? Yes. I know that boy. Oh, wait. I am that boy. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I also have that boy. I have six grandsons. Yeah, you know. All right. The man came to the second son and said the same thing. And he answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. You know that boy too, don't you? Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, the first. Yeshua said to them, 
spot on. That's what verily means. Truly I say to you that the tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and prostitutes did believe him and you, seeing this, did not even feel remorse afterward so as to believe him. Matthew is the only one who puts the two sons story in his gospel, people. Matthew is the only one who lists prostitutes getting into heaven before the righteous people. Did you hear it, though? He didn't just say prostitutes. Tax collectors and prostitutes. He identified his social rank not the way that it was usually understood. The tax collectors are prominent. The go-betweens between Rome and the rest of the Jewish laity. But the tax collectors, who were not exactly loved by the Jewish people, had a rank that was high because they had money. Some of your money, some of your money went into their pocket and, oh, here, I'll pay your tax on your behalf. The dirty ATO. But Matthew, who knows his own station in life, is actually lower and equal with prostitutes who are always on the scum and low end of society. Says tax collectors, that's me, and prostitutes like like uh, Tamar as she acted that day, and all those involved in sexual scandal on Mother's Day, all of those will get into heaven because we originally said, uh uh we will not. But then we saw and we heard and we said, yes, sir, and went and did it. This is a story of five women and five episodes and five cries from heaven that you And Matthew and I can find grace. This is a story of grace. Matthew puts that in because he found grace. He wasn't raised righteous. He was raised a ganif, a a thief. He's in a social construct that wasn't proper. And he found grace. Remember Matthew, I think chapter 9. Yeshua comes up to him and says, follow me. And he leaves his table and follows him. I mean, that's the, the, the whole length of the conversation. I think in greatest story ever told, it's longer. Uh, what do you have to declare? And Jesus says to him, the Father's love for you. And he looks up and drops his pen and follows him. I think that's a little longer. A great story. It's the greatest story. It's the story of my life and your life if you found grace. Not because you were so kosher. Not because you were a man after God's own heart. But because in the midst of your not-so-kosher behavior, you found grace. I love this story. I hope you do too. Why Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba, and Mary are included is because Matthew's included. And he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You too can find grace. If you're at home, in a church in the pajamas, or wherever you are, do you store this and put it on your Facebook page and such? Yeah. So if you're watching on Facebook later, and please, friends, share your Facebook page with 
the church and the church page with your friends and use them. My goodness, what a, what a great opportunity. So if you're watching wherever you are and you think religion is about and Christianity is about and this Jesus stuff is all about holy people doing holy things, holy their entire life, <laughs> come visit me. It's not the way it is. We're not so kosher. We fail. That's why we confess our sins. That's why the Bible says if you confess your sins, God, Jesus, is faithful to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The stuff you did yesterday and the stuff, God, help you, you're going to commit tomorrow. The sins of commission, the things you did not so well, and the sins of omission, the things where you're supposed to help people and you didn't. Don't hear this from an Orthodox Jew as a cry of guilt, but a cry of find grace. Grace, grace, to do what God wants you to do. To be cleansed of your sin and to know him personally. I am a graced man. God has done great things in my life over five dec- over seven decades. Finding Jesus was five decades ago, but there's... I mean, he held on to me when I was a, a puppy, when I was just a kid. He still got, he doesn't drop. He still got me. Does he have you? You found grace. Not because you're so epis. Not, he loves you. You go show it to other people. I hope you'll fill out that slip of paper and extend to me the grace to speak to you again through the agency of our newsletter, which we send out electronically if you want or in this thing called print. (laughs) You're welcome to it. Look, it's got stories after questions after stories. We think that'll help you. I've got my story in the back. I've got two little tables back there, one with some Mother's Day gifts, if you don't have one yet, you know, some candles, some women in the Bible, things like that, and my story of how I came to faith in Jesus called, Who Ever Heard of a Jewish Missionary? Uh, Maybe that'll be something you'll want. And then some free literature like our newsletter and other things that'll help you. But I hope you'll give me that card and extend to me the privilege to speak to you again. Ted, thanks so much. much. Pastor Paul, wherever you are, wandering wandering the globe, trotting the globe, I guess. Um, God be with you. I'm sure he's monitoring services, watching um, on your Facebook or live stream. Elizabeth, thanks for the welcome today. And friends, thanks for being receivers of grace and extenders of grace. Amen.